could follow Christ, pledge to Him my faith. Bound by duty to His cross, I could obey. But the love I found is compelling me to serve Him from a heart that's been mistaken that you were going to sing, weren't you? No, okay, then it must be somebody else that told me that. Okay, and who, who in here told me that the males said they were singing today? No, I'm joking, I, I'm joking. I, I thought you were, for just a second there, I thought I remember somebody telling me you're singing, and I thought, I don't know if they sang before the last time they were here. Yeah, oh, they couldn't be here today, obviously. How old are your children now? Wow, 20 to 25 range then, just like our kids. Our kids are the same. You've got four in a five-year period. We have four in a five-year period too, basically. That's kind of neat. I knew I liked him for some reason. <laughs> All right, well, brother, why don't you come preach for us, would you please? Again, brother Jim Mails, we're glad to have you today. Thank you, Pastor. Um, yeah, they're, they're that age, and they're all eligible, so... Um, <laughs> you know, any, they're good kids. They love the Lord. Um, my oldest son's gonna. He wants to start churches down in West Virginia, and um, the Lord has given him a good job to do that. He's going to be a church planner, so pray for him. West Virginia, Ohio, that Ohio Valley really 
needs churches. Um, our country needs churches as much as anywhere, and you know that. So let's pray for that. Um, make sure you pick up a prayer card, by the way. I don't know if you got one, Pastor, but they're in the back there. We don't have all the trinkets we used to carry. You know, we had all these little trinkets, and I'd bring them over, and adults would go by and say, oh, that's nice, and the kids would come, you know. And they would see him, and they thought that British pounds spent in America. Um, they're worth more, but you got to get them to a bank first to get them changed over, amen? But um, anyways, but yeah, our kids are eligible. And I told them, I said, on this furlough, they're working now. I said, I'm going to start pushing for this because Brother and Maslin, I met Lori at the college here. And um, I decided when I was young, I would begin to pray. I saved at 13, and this is this is the truth now. Amen? Um, sometimes preachers, they uh, tell exaggeration, shall we say. But I said to the Lord at a very young age, when I was 14, I said, Lord, I want to be married young. I want to have my kids young so I can enjoy them. Um, I played football in high school up in the west side of Cleveland in North Ridgeville. And I, I like sports. And I was like, I want to enjoy my kids, you know. So, And I also motocrossed. I like that. That's better than football. And I said, I want to be able to, you know, enjoy these kids and so Lord answered my prayer, and I met Lori, and I told her on the first time we were together, you had to be chaperone. Remember, were you married when you went to Maslin? You're already married. You had to you had to be chaperone, and so on the first date, if you will, we went to Taco Bell, big time, man. You know Taco Bell. I had twenty bucks in my pocket, and I told her, get what you want, man. Back then, twenty bucks would buy you a lot. But anyways, long story short, we could go on forever, and I'm not a jokester. I'm a preacher. But I really, I really knew the Lord wanted me to marry her, and I thought, you know, hey, I'm, my dad taught me he was a Marine, is a Marine, whatever. He taught, speaks straight, you know, and so I said, hey, God told me tonight that you're going to marry me. And she said, first time, and she said, yeah, I thought that too. So we got married. Now, brother, they need to do their part because I'm, I'm fat, but I can lose weight, but I'm still young enough at 47, I can enjoy grandkids. So... I'm a little bit sick and tired of my kids. I'm kind of mad at them right now. So if, if you're single and available and your pastor would say, yeah, that's a good person, I'm in, and I'm not as picky as you think, amen? So by all means, just come see us. Romans chapter 8. Yeah, you ought to, you ought to have a good time in the, in the church house, amen? You know what's neat? You know, I know this church has been going a while. Pastor Mark had started this church, and what a blessing the Lord to see how it's grown over the years and the faithfulness. But I love it. To me, this is like church planting all, all over, man. Seeing you in this, this kind of sidetrack, middle-of-the-road facility on your way to something, you know, bigger and better. And I'm excited for you. Just keep faith with the Lord. We're in the last days. They're going to start killing us again. That's what they're going to start doing. The sodomite crowd's taken over. They're, every, they're coming out of every closet. The, the, we talk about liberals, the Republicans. I mean, can you find a, a good, can you find a real Republican anymore? We're, we're a mess, and um, I believe we're going to start dying again. I really do. But, hey, you say, man, that's encouraging. Well, it is. We get to go to be at the Lord. Romans chapter 8. Now, I want to preach a message to you this morning. You're going to think, wow, this is a mission emphasis, and this guy comes in, and I understood Paul, a missionary, all that good stuff, but what is this about, you know, killing the deeds of the flesh? I mean, what does that have to do with missions? Well, it does have something to do with missions. Hold your place in Romans, and let me share with you a scripture we're going to kind of use to go into Romans. But notice what Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, verse number 15. Luke chapter 14, verse number 25. I'm sorry. Luke chapter 14, verse 25. 
Now, let me ask you a question because we need to get preaching and get this going today. What, what do you, what's the intention here, do you think, to, to see people come, to see the church grow numerically? Would that be good or to see you lose people? What would be the intention? What do you want to do? Lose them? No, of course not. We could have never been a preacher like Jesus, man. I'm telling you. Listen, look what he does here. Now, to me, this, they didn't teach us at Maslin Baptist College. And I don't think any Bible college would teach us or any church institute. Jesus says, and there went great multitudes with him. Man, if you've got the multitudes, I would think you'd just kind of keep doing what you're doing, you know. But Jesus is God. He knows better than me. He says this, and there went great multitudes with him. And he turned and said unto them. Now, can you imagine if Jesus Christ, you're following him multitudes, and he turns to you and is going to say something can you not kind of see starting in the front, going to the back? Hey, quiet, man. He's going to say something. You know, man, he's been... And by the way, they, they were good. They were, they were a good multitude, a true multitude. And this is how Joel Osteen has multitudes. And you say, well, how come we can't get that? Well, the problem is they were there for the food. They weren't there for what was being given out spiritually. And he turns to this multitude and he says this to him: If any man come to me and hate not... And the word hate means what it says, hate. It means to love less. He said, if any man come unto me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his what? Say it with me. Own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Do you know the truth is, my mom and dad haven't told me what to do for a long time. And even when they did growing up, there were times when I really didn't listen to them. I did what I wanted to do. My brother and sister, are you kidding me? I, you think my sister's going to tell me what to do? That's never happened. I tell her what to do, right? My wife and children, well, if you're the man of your house, and I'm not saying it's manly to bully your wife, but if you're man of the house, you're going to take leadership, amen? No, I think the problem in this verse really comes down to what he says, yea, and your own life also. The biggest enemy to the gospel of Christ being expanded throughout this world is me and you. And so this morning I want to preach a message to you in Romans 8. We'll have a word of prayer and get into the preaching this morning. I want to preach a message in Romans chapter 8 entitled, Killing the Deeds of the Flesh. We're going to talk about motive. We're going to talk about method. And we're going to talk about maintenance this morning. Amen. And I'm telling you, if you get you out of the way, God has no problem in leading. I, when I got out of the way back in Scotland and said, Lord, you know what? I'm not going to tell you where I'm going to die. You tell me where I'm going to go. And when that happened, you know what? I found the Lord speaks very freely to his children. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll get into the message this morning. Father, I pray you'd use me today and I pray that the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost would be upon this place today. I thank you for this pastor and this church. I've always enjoyed coming here. And Father, I've, I've always, Lord, respected Pastor O'Donnell, Lord, and you know that in my heart. Lord, I consider him a friend and I thank you for this ministry. It's good to see someone from Maslin that graduated from the school, Lord, that's doing something for you. And I pray that you would bless these dear people, this assembly, this body of believers, and, Lord, that soon their building would be done so that they can get into that and see the growth and, the, and see your direction and your will accomplished in their lives. Now, Lord, if there be one here today that's not saved, I pray you would open up the Word of God and show them through the preaching of the Word of God that their flesh, Lord, stands in the way of them getting saved. 
Lord, I pray that they would see their need of Christ, repent, and trust Him today as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray for the child of God that you might strengthen us today and be with this church in its missions emphasis. And thank you for the great emphasis that it has placed on missions throughout these years. Lord, just I pray that your will would be done. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to preach a message to you this morning entitled, Killing the Deeds of the Flesh. Paul says in 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 Romans chapter 8 here, if you'll go down with me, verse number 5 will begin in. And by the way, I, I'm not going to read this this morning because this is a whole other message. I actually preached a three-series message out of this chapter on the flesh for the young converts down in New Martinsville, West Virginia last year. And But verses 1 through 4, I, there are two words there i got to show you because you're going to love this and it's going to help you in your walk. Can I just say this to you today? When you got saved, something supernatural happened in your life. And it was supernatural. God didn't take something that was in you and revamp it. Amen? God didn't take a spark or a little flame and fan it and it burst into you. Amen? God took from you nothing. God created in you, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He's a new creation. Amen. The Bible says in John chapter one, that what we are when we're born again, when the spirit of God brings about the new birth, we're not born of man or the will of the flesh, but of God. Amen. That's why when you get to first John and the Bible says through the Holy, the Holy Ghost through John, when he says whatsoever is born of God doth not commit sin. There is something in you that doesn't sin. It's called the new nature. You say, well, preacher, why do I sin then? Because of this thing we're going to talk about today. You see, there is something in you that's created of God, that new man, and the dwelling of the Holy Ghost. God has made his abode in you if you're saved today. And he wants to accomplish his purpose in your life, and he's given you that ability. Look what he says in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. The word condemnation means adverse sentence, amen? The wrath of God, when Jesus said, hey, the Son of God is not coming to the world to condemn the world. Why? Because he said, he that believeth not on me is condemned already. When I was born into this world, I was born under the judgment of God, the wrath of God, the sentence of God abided over me. But the day that I got saved, praise God, that condemnation is gone. I am free in Jesus Christ. In fact, in verse 3, he says, this for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the what you know what happened to me as a young catholic boy i went around trying to obey the rules that the church told me to obey when i got into a baptist church i tried to be good i thought if i was good it would work you know what i found the bible wasn't weak the Bible had no insufficiency, but I had an insufficiency. It's called the flesh. And because my unsaved nature could not obey the law of God, the Bible failed me. Not that it failed me as far as what it could do in Christ, but me trying to live for God in my flesh, it didn't work. But he says this in verse 3, But God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh... And for sin, condemn the flesh. And he says this. Look at verse 2, actually. I want you to see this. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me, what's that word? Free from the law of sin and death. So let me say, and this is another message for another time. You are free today. You say, preacher, you got to get this now. You really do, or you're not going to understand this message. You need to understand this today. 
When I was born into this world, I was born a prisoner to my flesh. My flesh was a prisoner to its father, the devil, John 8, 44. When Christ saved me, he made me free. And where I could not do anything before for God that was pleasing to God, now I am free in Christ through the Spirit of God and the new nature to serve Him. So why are we not serving God today? Why is our country a mess? Why are our churches falling by the wayside? What's the problem? We need a Republican in the White House? If that's your hope, friend, you've got problems, amen. Our hope is in the church of the living God. We need to get back to understanding that we're the problem, amen. And if we'll repent and if we'll walk in the spirit of God, we can see the power of God. I want to preach a message to you this morning entitled, Killing the Deeds of the Flesh. Notice with me three things this morning, and we're going to find those in a moment but let's read verse 5 down through verse 14 and we'll get right into the preaching he says this for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded which means fleshly is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace for he says because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God neither indeed can be and by the way that word enmity it means hostility your nature before you were saved and that nature that old man that's still in there it hates God it hates the things of God it has no desire to serve God Do you ever wonder how Christians can watch TV and see trash on it that they shouldn't be watching and they ignore it? That's because the old man loves it. But look what he says. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, my brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Notice with me three things this morning. I'm going to make this simple, and we'll get right to the point. It's morning. We've got an evening service still. So I'm going to get right into the preaching now. The Bible makes it clear That my flesh, according to Romans chapter 8, I believe verse 6, that if we walk after the flesh, we cannot please God. The Bible tells me in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, that what I could not do before because I was dead in trespasses and sins, because I had an old nature that hates God, and God describes that nature in Romans chapter 3, verse 10 through 23, how wicked man is. And God describes that. Why? Because he wants us to know in Romans 8, 1 through 4, that, hey, you're not under that anymore. That bondage is gone. You're not bound to that. You're not a debtor to the flesh. Listen, you are free to live for Jesus Christ today. That victory that positive thinking that these guys on TV talk about and yet they don't even know the Savior that they mention. That victory is not in programs or music or positive thinking. It's in the new man as he's he's, um, enriched through the Word of God, that new nature that God gave us. And if we're going to be successful for God, we need to learn to kill, mortify. That word mortify means to kill. The deeds of the flesh. And so to do that, we need three things this morning. Number one, we need the right motive. Amen? 
If you're going to do anything, you need the right motive. Now, you're going to laugh when I say this, but I'm very serious. I'm fat. I know you think, well, preacher, we know that. We didn't want to say anything, but you look bigger than you were the last time. Well, I know I'm fat. My wife yet last night looks in the mirror and she goes, guess what, Jim? I'm fat. I said, I think you still look pretty good, amen. But she said, no, 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 you can say what you want, but I'm fat. And I said, well, that's fine. And she talks about the bee pollen diet, and they've got the diet where if you count your carbs and all this stuff, they've even got them, I'm sure, that if you stick your foot straight out for a half an hour, you'll lose weight, amen. Listen, the diet the, the diet industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. I told my wife, finally, I got sick of hearing about diets. I said, you know what the problem is? Until you get to the point where you look in the mirror and you see that fat, ugly thing looking at and you say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of being fat. I want to do something about it. You'll never change. Well, I'm going to tell you, friend, until you get sick and tired of your old nature bogging you down and you look in the mirror of God's word and say, I'm sick of it. I don't want it anymore. You're not going to do anything. Well, let me say to you, number one, you need a motive. And we have a motive. God gives us a good motive. Verse 13, notice with me, the flesh is powerful. He says, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. The Bible says in verse number six there of Romans eight, for to be carnally minded, that is fleshly minded, is death. Praise God. But to be spiritually minded is a life and peace. This flesh is powerful. Paul says this in Colossians. Now, for time's sake this morning, Go to Colossians with me, chapter 7, and let's kind of camp out there so that we're there already and we can flip back and forth and we'll be able to get this done in a timely fashion. Man, I, I'm trying to get support again. I'm back to the, fir, the the deputation part a little bit in some of my churches. So, you know, if I if I go way over time, that's not a good way to get your support back, right? So i got to watch what I'm doing. Unless God speaks to hearts today, then you won't complain. Amen? Colossians chapter 3. I'm sorry, not chapter 7. Chapter 3. Notice what the Bible says here. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 7. Notice with me, we, have, we need a motive for killing the deeds of the flesh. What is our motive? Well, first of all, the first part of that motive is the flesh is powerful. He says in Colossians 3, 7, in the which, amen, in fact, the verse, look at verse 5, and you'll, you'll, you'll get a description of what he's talking about. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. That means kill them. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. But look at verse 7. In the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. That word walked is a powerful word. It means to tread all around. You know what Paul's saying to the church at Colossus? He says, hey, listen, it's the same kind of message he's given in Romans 8. He says, hey, listen, let me tell you something, saints. He said, you remember those, those deeds of the flesh? You remember that those, remember Paul talks about not making provision for the flesh? The word provision means literally to supply. And those deeds of the flesh, he talks about the fornication, the adultery, the, the, the evil concupiscence, which is desiring that which is forbidden. In other words, if the Bible tells us not to do it, that old flesh wants it. 
And you know what Paul says? He said, hey, remember the power of that flesh. Remember the powerfulness of it because that flesh, it's in you still, that old man. Remember the things that you did when you had not the Spirit of God. You weren't a new creature in Christ. You walked or you tread all about. You lived in the things of the flesh. Friend, if that kept us happy, and I know we're not happy in in the idea of peace and joy until we're saved, but we were happy, our flesh was happy to dwell in those things. Why? Because it's powerful. Number two, it has some pull. You say, pull? Look with me, if you will, back in Romans chapter 7, right next to where we're at. Notice what Paul says here in Romans chapter 7, verse number 14. The Bible says this, Romans chapter 7, verse 14. Paul says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am what? Carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. Wait a minute. Is this the Apostle Paul talking here? Paul says that the guy that started more churches in a half of a lifetime, in fact, maybe a quarter of a lifetime, than most missionaries will start in 10 lifetimes. And this Apostle Paul says, hey, wait a minute. The things that I would do, The things that I want to do, I don't do. But does this sound familiar to you as a Christian, by the way, this kind of battle? Look what he says here. He said, but for what I, that I, he said, for what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. So Paul says, hey, he says, there's a battle that goes on in my flesh, amen. There's a part of me that the things that I would do for God and the things I want to accomplish and do right by God, I find that there's times when I don't do those things. Did you ever do that? I'll bet you your preacher would say amen to that. This missionary will say amen to that. But yet the things I hate... In the part of me, that new man, listen, if you don't have something in you that hates this world and the sin of this world and the sins of this flesh, if you don't have something in you that hates that, you're not saved. But the new man and the Spirit of God are grieved through those things. Hey, listen, this flesh has pulled. Paul said, hey, the great apostle Paul said, man, you better understand. You know what? We fall when we think we stand. When we think we've got it all figured out and we can coddle the flesh and we can play with this old nature and the lust of it, amen, and we put the things on the television, we read the things that we shouldn't, we put, we make provision, as Paul says, when we do that and we dabble with this flesh, you know what's going to happen? You're going to fail every time. The flesh has pulled. But let me say, the flesh always leads us away from somebody. Let me show you what he says here in Colossians chapter 3 again. And we'll read Romans something there and move on in just a moment. But Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Look at the pull. I mean, excuse me, the, the direction of the flesh. The Bible says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. And look what he says. Fornication. You know what the word fornication means? I was always taught as a young boy when I got saved, a young teenager, I was taught it meant sex outside of marriage, relationships outside of marriage. But the Bible, that definition goes far beyond that. It's harlotry, including adultery, incest, and idolatry. You know what idolatry is? I don't know why. I've always had a hard time pronouncing that. But you know what I'm talking. Idol worship. You say, how does idol worship get wrapped up in a word like fornication? That's weird. I mean, adultery, incest, fornication, 
sex outside of marriage, that's all sexually related. How, how does that get right? How does the word adultery get put into there? How could it mean? How could the definitions even be on the same parallel? I'll tell you how. Hear me out now. Paul said to the church at Ephesus, I have espoused you to who? One. Who are we espoused to if you're a part of a New Testament church? Christ. What did God say in Exodus chapter 20? What did Jehovah say? He said, for the Lord your God is a jealous God. Do you know that your relationship with God, you have a relationship? There's nothing perverted about it. I'm not inclining that like some other perverted preachers have done in the past from different areas of this country. But we have a relationship. He is the bridegroom. I am part of the bride. He is my father. Amen. There's a relationship. And you know what happens? We say, well, preacher, I've never committed adultery. I've never done anything that you described there in fornication. I've not done those wicked, terrible sins. Maybe you on the outside have not. But I'll tell you a sin that we all do. We put things before God. And that's why we do not accomplish the mission's emphasis that we want in our lives and as a church. Because here's what we want. I'll give and I'll be a part. I'll do the generality. But God, don't ask me to leave my cushion area and do something for God. It's idolatry. It's spiritual fornication. Romans chapter 8, that verse that he uses there, that word is amazing, verse 7. You know, when I was reading this years ago, I never quite understood. I thought the word enmity just meant enemy. And that's true. It's somebody that's enmity against. It's an enemy. You're, it's against. It's something that's against something. Kind of like Canton and Maslin, right? Although we're in Akron. But in football, you know the deal. Man of Maslin. I hope you're not from Canton because I always rooted for the Tigers. I like the Maslin team. But anyways, because they're orange. I like orange. Does that remind you of a team that hasn't won for a while? But I still love them, man. I still love my Browns. Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel, Johnny Manziel. Anyways, we are getting better, by the way. But I'm, you're right, Lord. You're right. Lord rebuke me. You're right. We're not going to get into football right now. That's, this is time for the Word of God. But anyways, I'm still an orange guy, okay? But he says here this. I used to think the word enmity just simply meant an enemy. But look what he says in verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. This is interesting to me. When I looked up that word enmity and began to study that word, I found out that it didn't only mean enemy, it literally meant hostility. Let me just say this to you, and we won't go there for time's sake. We've got to move on. But when you get into Revelation around chapter 6, I believe it is, isn't it interesting that God begins to pour out his judgment on this world? And unsaved men, in their unsaved nature, we find that they're huddled in rocks and caves and they're actually talking to the mountains. And I don't think it's just figurative speech. God means what he says. And they're saying to the rocks and mountains, fall on us and hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. You know what that tells me? That they know exactly what's happening. They're not blaming it on global warming. They're blaming it on the one who is pouring out the judgment. 
And you would think that if someone heard the gospel, if you will, that if they knew that the judgment of God was being poured out, they would get saved. But you know what? A few chapters later, we find them doing shaking their fist at a holy God and blaspheming his name. You know why? I'm going to tell you something, friends. There's something in you. It will never be. You'll never get rid of this. You can't kill the flesh. You can kill the deeds of the flesh. Until you see Christ, you have something in you, and you need to understand, and your motive, your motivation for dealing with it needs to be very simply this. It hates God. It hates God. It doesn't want to give to missions. It doesn't want to be in church today. It doesn't want to be a part of the program of God. It hates God. So we need a motive, and we have one. Number two, we need a method. Well, the method's not very hard. Go back to Colossians chapter 3. It's a lot easier than you might think, and we'll move on. Colossians chapter 3. Notice with me the motive here. I mean, the method, excuse me. Colossians chapter 3. And by the way, when you get over there, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, if you remember, but to be carnally minded is enmity against God to be, and it's death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. But notice what he says, Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. Notice with me, first of all, our power comes through the Spirit of God. If you're going to put a method in play, in other words, if you're going to have a plan, if I want to lose weight, I have to have a motive to do it. Amen? i got to have a motive. i got to say, you know what, I'm sick of looking at myself. But if I say I'm going to lose weight, and you know what? I've got a new plan. i got an idea. If I eat 10 boxes of ho-hos a day, it'll probably make me lose weight. If you don't know what a ho-ho is, you're probably not fat. Amen? A ho-ho is a lovely, delicious, my wife says, they're all full of chemicals. I said, but I'm telling you, the chemicals taste good, man. You put them babies in a freezer, man, and then get them out and start eating them frozen. I'm telling you, man, woo, that's, that's why I'm fat. I haven't seen the motive yet to get rid of it. But you can't do just anything. You can't, just thinking something isn't going to make it happen. You got to have the motive, but you got to have the right method. Well, God gave you a method to deal with the flesh. Look what he says in verse 9. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man. We'll talk about that in a moment with his deeds. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And we'll go down through verse 14. He says, where there is neither um, Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, um, Scythian, Bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, maturity. Now, notice what he said. Number one, our power comes through the Spirit of God. You remember what Jesus said, in, and we're going to stay in Colossians. I'm going to show you a verse in a moment. You remember what Jesus said in John chapter 16? He said, I, I'm getting ready. He said, I'm getting ready to leave. I've told you these things. I've been preaching my death, burial, resurrection for, for months now. I've been teaching it for years, and I'm getting ready to leave. And instead of being happy that I'm doing the will of the Father, he said, you're sad. And he said, let me tell you something. If I don't leave, the comforter will not come. He said, and it's good for you that it's come. It's essential for you. Why? Because when he's come, he will reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Of sin because they believe not in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father. And he said, of 
judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Let me tell you something, Christian. You want to win people to Christ? Right there's your program. It's called Holy Ghost Conviction. He can bring people to repentance if we will give the gospel and let him work. He says he would. But he says in John 16, 13, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into what? All truth. Do you understand today that our power to overcome the flesh does not come through willpower. It comes through the the spirit of God, through the word of God. He says that here in Colossians. Let me show you this verse. In verse number 10, look at this now. He says, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. The word renewed there means renovated. It means renovated. You say, wait a minute, preacher. I thought God didn't renovate or, or kind of take what we had and make it. No, he didn't. He gave us a brand new. But you know what this renovated has to do with? It's not the idea of taking something and tearing it down. It's the idea of you build your building over there and that auditorium as you continue to progress and you continue to add this and add that and put this on and paint this and put up this curtain and put up a pulpit that doesn't have a piece of wood under it and a hidden book, amen? And as you do all that, you're renovating. You're getting it to where... You know what God does in our lives through His Word? When we allow the Spirit of God, instead of reading our Bible through just to get through in a year, when we get in the book and study and allow the Spirit of God to speak to us, you know what He does? He renovates this new man. He builds. He adds on to him. He increases the faith. He gives us what we need. And He makes us and puts us in a position where the old man cannot lead. We're renovated through Christ, through the Spirit of God, through the Word of God. There must be a will inside, though. You know, if you think about it, if you're going to have the right method, that's fine. But you got to also hate. you got to learn to hate that which you're fighting against. I'm not going to go back, but you remember what Paul said? The difference in Paul is we today, if we're honest, as modern Christians, many times what we would say is this. The things that I would, I find I don't do. But the things that I like, I do. Paul said the things that I hate, I do. You know what the problem with Christianity in our country is? And I can speak. I have a right to say what I'm going to say. I've worked overseas. I've preached in countries over in Russia and Moldova. I've preached in Scotland where 50% of the people that got saved were ex-witches and warlocks and spiritists. I've been there. I've done my time overseas, and I'm going back. I told a preacher friend recently, anybody that knows Brother Males would know that I would rather preach a million times overseas than on these shores any day. The hardest place I've ever started a church was in America. You know why? We think we're good and increase with goods and have need of nothing. You preach for an hour and people get all upset. You go over to Russia where they have nothing and people listen to you all day. I've had my fill of American canned Christianity. I want to serve God in these last days. And you can only do it, amen, when you realize that that trash that's out there is not to be played with. It is filth, it's trash, and it provides provision for the flesh. And as long as it's in our lives, we'll never do anything for God. You know, I like the motion here, don't you? The power comes through the Spirit of God, through His Word, There has to be a will inside to hate something. We have to hate that old flesh, but then there's got to be emotion. He says right here in Colossians, I love this 
this phrase, and we'll be done in just a moment. Bear with me. We're just going to read a verse to finish in a moment. But get this. This is neat. This is kind of the method. Now, let me say something to you. You know what I believe one of our problems is with Christians today in our country? I really do. I believe we've gotten more. Hear me out now. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. I can't lose anything today. Amen. <laughs> I ain't losing support. Amen. Think about it seriously. It's not wrong to buy books. And this is a song book. I know that. I've not lost my mind yet. I've not gotten fat on the brain. I've still got it everywhere else. I realize it's not wrong to read books. I, I have no problem with that. I've thought many times, and people have told me, Jim, you need to write a book on missions. It'd be good. People, what you, what you believe is the Bible. Write, write a book. Here's our problem, though. Here's what we've gotten used to doing. We have a problem in our lives, and what we do is we run down to the Christian bookstore and we find out who has a book on our problem. You know what? My sister called me years ago in Scotland, back around 94, my little sister, Jennifer, and she said, Jimmy, she said, I need some help. I said, well, what do you need, hon? She's my baby sister. My other sister, that's a different story. (laughs) But my baby sister, man, I took care of her. I said, what do you need, hon? She said, Jim, she goes, I need a book, some good books on demonism. I said, why? She goes, well, I'm doing a speech in class And I want to talk about the demonic spirits, how they affect our society. You know, things like, now we call everything mental illness. Really, go read the book of Matthew, and I'll show you what mental illness is. It's called demon possession. Why do we think that demons were around in Jesus' day, but they've disappeared or something? When people are walking into museums in Belgium, and something's telling them to shoot people because they're Jewish, Something's wrong, and they're not mentally ill. They're demon-possessed. She said, Jim, I need some help on this. I said, well, hon, I said, what do you want? She goes, tell me some good books. I said, well, I've got one. It's called the Bible. Now, you could think Brother Males is trying to be Mr. Spiritual, but my wife knows I live what I'm telling you. I don't read very many books, and I don't think it's because I'm, and I'm not saying it's wrong to read books. I'm just going to tell you right now, I would rather know what God says in Matthew Henry. And I think God can talk to me. In fact, if he doesn't talk to me, something's wrong. I said, honey, you don't want any books on demonism. I said, you know why? Because the day you leave this book right here, and I know because I was in a country steeped in witchcraft. The day you leave this book and start looking into demons is the day you're going to have some problems. Amen. I said, you stick to this book and you've got the protection of God's word. My point is this, folks. I don't care who he is. I don't care how successful the guy seems. He will never supersede the authority of the word of God. God has an Listen, we need to get back in the Bible and figure out why we do what we do. Is it God's way or is it our way? Is it a tradition or is it the word of God? And when we find what the word of God says, hold to it, man. Hold fast to the faith and stick to it and do what God says. Why? Because everything else is the flesh. We need to have the right method. But let me say this. We need to have the right maintenance. But before I do that, i got to read this verse. You almost left it. He says, put on, if you look in Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, put now ye also, um, but now ye also put off all these. And where's the verse I'm looking for? Right there. Verse 9. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and put on the new man. This is what I want to say to you, and then I'll read one verse and we're done today. We're done. 
It's interesting. Paul says, our power comes through the Holy Ghost and the Word of God when we get to the point that we hate sin. We hate that old nature and the deeds of that nature. But you know what the actual process of overcoming the flesh is? It's really not hard. You ready? Put this in here for a minute. See this jacket I'm wearing? I won't put it on because I'm probably choking you See this jacket? That word, that phrase, put on and put off, means literally to invest in a garment, as in putting on or putting off. A garment, that's what it means. You know what? Can I borrow your jacket, brother, real quick? I'm going to show you something. When I was born into this world, I was born with one jacket. Thank you. Nice jacket. I want you. I was born with one jacket. Amen? So, Brother Mark, Pastor, you hold that for a minute. I was born with that jacket. When I got saved, I got a new jacket. The problem is, I don't know why God does it. You say, well, why did God leave us with the old I don't know. I wish he wouldn't, right? But this old jacket's still in my wardrobe. And here's what we do, literally. Here's what Paul said. We put off the old man, and we put on the new, or we put off the new man to put on the what? The old. You know what? You say, Preacher, I couldn't help myself before I was saved. I was bound in sin, and you were. You were. But you know what the good news is? Today we are free. to wear a new man, a new set of clothes, if you will, a new jacket. And if we will put that jacket on, say, preacher, how do I put it on? By simply saying no to the old man and the deeds of the old man. You say, preacher, where did I find those? Paul gave them to you there in verse number five and throughout the word of God. Let me say this in closing. You need to have the right maintenance too. Paul said this, and we won't go there, but you can read later. First Corinthians 15, 31. Paul talked about dying daily. This maintenance program has to be a daily battle. Do you ever notice that when you have a victory in Christ, it seems like you have a defeat the next day sometimes? Do you ever notice that? You know why? Because the old nature in this battle is a daily battle. But can I say this to you in closing? 1 Corinthians 15, do you remember that chapter? It talks about this. There's coming a day when this mortal shall put on immortality. You understand? When this temporal shall become eternal. My battle with the flesh is just for a time, just for a season. But soon Jesus will come. I believe he'll come before we die. I really do. But soon Jesus will come. And when he comes, my friend, or if we go through death, the old man's put off. Praise God, the maintenance program's daily. But let me encourage you today, it's only for a little while. And soon we'll see Christ, the flesh. Jesus said, go into all the world, Mark 16, and preach the gospel to every creature. But to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature here in Akron means you've got to go. I'm not going to go. I'm not here. And for you to go, it means that the flesh has to be put behind. The new man has to be put on that we might serve God and see as will accomplish in our life. Because I'll say this in closing. You know what I figured out about the ministry? I, I'm not going to write a book on it. Nobody would read it. But I will say this. I figured this out about the ministry. Do you really think God needs me? Do you think God needs this man here to have a church in Akron, Ohio? No. 
You know what the ministry's about? You know what God saved me for? It's about his work with me. My walk with him. It's all about Christ. Every single bit of it. If you're here today and you've never been born again, you still have that old man. And you can't get rid of him. The sad thing is, through that old man, you're weak in the word of God. You can't accomplish salvation in yourself. But if you will come to Christ today, he will make you a new creature. He will give you eternal life. He will give you a new life in Jesus Christ. Child of God, the flesh, we all deal with it. If God speak in your heart today as we go into invitation in a moment, you do the will of God. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand and pray and pastor you come. Father, I pray this morning.